everyone. Welcome to another episode of CBIA's BizCast. I'm Shannon King. So I usually say every episode is my favorite episode, but this one in particular is very special to me. It's a bit more informal than our usual format, and that's because I had a great conversation with outgoing CBIA president and CEO, Joe Brennan. He's been on the pod quite a few times, but I wanted to capture his reflections on his 32-year career at CBIA, how he led our organization to respond when the pandemic first hit, and what the future holds for not only CBIA, but also the state of Connecticut. Don't worry, I spared you all of our extensive sports analysis before we actually started recording this episode. One last thought. I say this in the episode, but I guess I'll say it again here. If you know Joe Brennan, you know just how great and passionate of a person he is. And if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting him or being his colleague, I can tell you he is one of my favorite people to work with. But warning, he may talk your ear off about the Yankees. And with that, here's my conversation with Joe Brennan. Joe, I haven't actually talked to you in a couple weeks, but I'm glad we're talking right now. So um, when uh, we're running this episode, it's going to be your official last week at CBIA. Um so before we, before I ask you about your career at CBIA and all of that, I wanted to talk to you about the past four months or so of the pandemic. Talk to me about what went through your mind when we started to notice that um, the state was going to shut down. Um, you know, we made the decision to cancel all of our events for the rest of the year um, and uh businesses were starting to shut down. Um, so walk me through those first couple weeks. Well, I think the first thing that kind of hit me is that CBIA really had to step up um, and be more of an asset, a resource for the broader business community, maybe than ever before. Uh, there were just so many questions that started, you know, at first trickling in and then just flooding in to our offices uh, from our members and others about how to, how to deal with what we had to deal with. How do I keep this virus out of my workplace? If it does come in, how do I clean? If I have a manufacturing plant, do I have to shut down? What do I have to do? How do I keep my employees safe? Uh, and if we do have to shut down, how do I treat my employees? Is it better to lay them off so they can go right on unemployment? Do I furlough them, try to do the shared work program through the Department of Labor. Uh, and then when, you know, the uh, recovery program started coming out, how do I apply for uh, PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program? Um, how do I get personal protective equipment? How do I do, you know, just so many questions that you and many other people helped answer. Um, and then it was, well, at the same time, it was, it was just like a whirlwind, just by talking personally now, it was just an odd time because I'm not used to working from a home. Uh, I've worked home. I've only been in the office one day in the last four months. Um, and it was just a whirlwind of activity. Uh, is the days had no beginning, no end. The weeks had no beginning, no end. Uh, it was just constant inquiries, uh, being on the phone with David Lehman at DECD, with Josh Jabal, the governor's chief operating officer, with Paul Meadows, his chief of staff, with the governor. Um, you know, going through all the list of essential businesses and what that means. And it just, uh, you know, it goes on and on and on, just a never-ending list of, uh, of things that you had to deal with in real time, which, you know, normally you prepare for a legislative session, you prepare for an upcoming event, so you 
prepare for things in life. And this, there was just no preparation time. You were just doing it literally in real time, uh, making decisions on the fly. And uh, the cooperation we received from our entire staff, how everybody stepped up, was just incredible. Um, I think the administration was incredibly open and accessible uh, and listened. You know, if they made a decision and had to adjust it, they would adjust it if you could state your case. Uh, so it was just, um, you know, obviously something none of us had been through before and something we'll never forget, those of us that have gone through it and, and, and had to take a leadership role. And CBIA, I think, clearly did that. And it's uh, to the credit of our staff, uh, how everybody stepped up and uh, credit to the entire business community, how companies, as you know, retooled their operations to make personal protective equipment, made other donations of of time or energy to, to help people in need. Um, so as I like to say, every you always look for the silver lining in any black cloud. And uh, the silver lining here was just how the people of Connecticut uh, pretty much came together. And you can see by our numbers now, uh, as far as infection rates and hospitalizations and, and deaths, uh, we're among the leaders in the country. So uh, credit to everybody in Connecticut. Can you talk a little bit more about the uh, working relationship that you developed with the governor's office and especially DECD and um, just the work that you did with them over the past few months? Yeah, you know, I had the good fortune of knowing the governor pretty well. Before he came into office, we served on a board uh, together several years ago, and we've interacted at times before he, he was elected governor. So I had that good working relationship with him, um, his current chief of staff, Paul Mounds, and known Paul for a long time, good relationship with him. And then, you know, just a critical, critical person through this whole thing was Josh Jabal. I mentioned earlier the chief operating officer, also the commissioner of DAS, Department of Administrative Services. And Josh, uh, I recruited for our board uh, just a couple months before the governor uh, grabbed him away and brought him into state government, which was a really shrewd move by the governor. Uh, because Josh has really, you know, been a rock uh, through this whole thing. So, um, you know, that was really good that I had relationships with all those folks before uh, the pandemic hit. And the other person that I had begun over the last year to begin to develop a relationship with is David Lehman at DECD. And, you know, I obviously have the utmost respect for all these folks, but David uh, in particular, because I talked to him so much uh, through this process as we developed that we, I, you know, talked to him, but he developed the list of essential uh, businesses, essential employees, uh, was very open uh, to any suggestions we had around that. Whenever I had questions, he was right there. Um, you know, we were just talking quite a bit or texting back and forth quite a bit on all these issues, travel bans, travel restrictions. Uh, everything that I would hear from our members, uh, if I couldn't answer, I'd go to David. And he was just an unbelievable resource. I never lost patience or never didn't have time. Uh, and then as the reopening began, uh, he had asked me to serve on the uh, Business Advisory Council to the Governor's Reopening Committee, which I was happy to do. So we obviously talked a lot through that process with the guidelines uh, for reopening uh, offices, restaurants, etc., we had worked earlier on the essential uh, uh, reopening rules for uh, essential work uh, employers, manufacturers, and others. So we work closely on that. So, uh, yeah, it's been great throughout the administration. Those are the four key people that I work with the most. Uh, but, again, I think it's uh, 
uh, they deserve a lot of credit because our numbers so far, as we're having this conversation today, our numbers are still very, very good, uh, particularly around infection rates and the hospitalizations dropping. So if we can keep going in that direction, I think when we look back, we can say the administration did a good job. And I know because David was really on the inside fighting to make sure that the economy was not an afterthought here. Obviously, science and healthcare was going to rule a lot of decisions, but David was pushing to make sure we reopened as soon as we could, as safely as we could. Uh, so our economic numbers are not quite as bad as some other states. So uh, it was a, a good collective effort, and it's ongoing. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful we'll continue to see the, the good numbers that we've seen today. Yeah, I am as well. So you're retiring <laughs> officially. Um, so you've been at CBIA for 34 years. Is that right? 32 years. Oh, okay. Sorry. I tacked on two extra years. What was your career like at CBIA? Because um, you started over 30 years ago. That's a pretty long time to be at one company, um, maybe for young people like me. What are some highlights of your career at CBIA? Obviously, uh, when you came in as a lobbyist and then when you moved into um, the senior vice president of public policy position. And then obviously, of course, when you became president and CEO uh, in 2015, end of 2014, if you can encapsulate a 30 plus year career um, in a few highlights, um, what, what, what would those highlights be? Well, first of all, just technically, uh, I'm not retiring now. I'm stepping down as CEO on the, the 31st of July, but I will be staying on with CBI at least through the end of the year uh, to help with transition and other things. So uh, if I'm retiring, it will be as, uh, as early as December 31st, but no earlier than that. So um, and going back, yeah, what's, how, do you, how do you summarize 32 years? Uh, yeah, just very briefly, I started as a, uh, an attorney, a staff attorney, lobbying on tax issues for CDIA in September of 1988. So you just can imagine uh, the, the changes just from a technological standpoint. Back when I started, there were no personal computers, uh, no cell phones, uh, really, for most people, uh, no uh, email. So we would write out all our testimony and, uh, and throw it into a basket and somebody would type it up and we would edit it. And, they would make changes and we'd print it out and carry it up in bulk and put it to the capital instead of just doing it on a, on a computer and, and emailing it to somebody. Uh, all your mailings to your members all had to be written and mimeographed and stuffed into envelopes. It was just a totally, totally different way of doing business. Um, and as far as highlights, you know, it, it just personally, to me, it was a highlight to just to meet the people I've met, both uh, at CBIA and our members and people in, 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 the, in the public sector uh, that I've inter, interacted with, uh, I just, it opened my eyes to so many different industries, uh, particularly manufacturing because it's, you know, it's tangible. You can touch products. You can walk plant floors and see how products get made. Just really, really cool stuff going on in Connecticut. And that's always been a, a, a real thrill for me to be able to learn so much, not just about manufacturing, but, you know, every industry in Connecticut I've interacted with in one way, shape, or form. So that's been really, really cool. Um, back in 1993, we had a major uh, victory uh, that was led by Bonnie Stewart, who worked for us at the time on workers' comp reform. Uh, workers' comp back then was really causing Connecticut major problems. Companies were saying we're moving out because of workers' comp. 
uh, particularly manufacturing companies because, you know, they have uh, greater incidence of workplace in- injuries. So that was a, a critical thing for Connecticut. We passed a bill that went even beyond what the business community had originally proposed. And it really did start to turn the tide a little bit about focusing more on, on business issues. Uh, after that, we reformed, not to the same extent, but uh, reformed uh, unemployment comp, uh, which helped bring a little bit more fairness to employers in, in that situation. Uh, we reduced taxes quite a bit through the 90s, uh, which, again, made us more competitive. Uh, and then I still remember sitting in my office, uh, seeing something. I did have a computer at that point, and and seeing, uh, you know, the first, right after the first tower uh, at the World Trade Center got hit. And, you know, just the reaction that you had to have, again, worrying about your members, worrying about your employees, how you're going to get through that period. So 9-11 was, you know, kind of a watershed moment uh, for people in Connecticut because of our connection to the financial markets in, in New York City. Uh, and then going through the Great Depression, uh, obviously, it was an enormous challenge, and, and all those years since that we haven't really, you know, bounced back to the level a lot of other states have, have bounced back. Um, the last few years, as being uh, president and CEO, have been a, a really an enormous challenge, but also very rewarding. Um, a challenge because uh, for fiscal and other reasons, Connecticut is still been challenged economically. Um, but it's also rewarding because of the people that uh, we continue to hire. CBI has always just hired tremendous people, and uh, we continue to do that, and that's kind of the lifeblood of the organization. So being able to work with uh, people um, like yourself and so many others has been just, just an honor, I guess is the best way to say it. I never envisioned myself in this role. Uh, I never aspired to it. It was more I just never left. So sooner or later, you get tapped on the shoulder and said, it's your time now. Uh, but it's been uh, it's been a really interesting ride and uh, something that uh, fortunately I can walk away from uh, feeling that, um, you know, we've got a great organization and my successor is only going to bring it up to a, a higher level. Kind of dovetailing off of that, that you never aspired to be president or CEO at CBIA or, or you didn't see yourself in a leadership position. Um, so uh, what kind of leader are you right? You know, you're still, you're still here at CBIA and you'll, you'll be with us through the transition. Um, but what kind of leader are you and how did you develop into a leader, uh, particularly, you know, during the great recession and then now during the pandemic, um, you know, you really led us to step up and um, rise to the moment during the pandemic when our members needed us most. So uh, can you, can you talk about that, how your development into a leader? Well, the one uh, component of leadership that I do take uh, credit for, or at least say that I, I've done a good job in that area. And that is to surround yourself with people smarter than you are. And and I think that's really important um, that you can rely on others. And with the team we have at CBIA, not just at the senior level or just the management level, but all throughout the organization, uh, makes it so much easier uh, to manage an organization uh, that, number one, is uh, for my predecessors, was, you know, built into something really, really special. And then because of the people we have there, they don't need a lot of oversight or, uh, you know, direct management. So I, I like to think of myself as more of a, 
a little bit of a hands-off uh, manager and, and leader uh, because of the quality of people we have at, at CBIA. Um, and I also hope, and others have to judge this, but I hope I really grown into the job uh, because, as I said earlier, I never aspired to it. I never thought of myself as a, a leader of an organization. Uh, but when it, <clears throat> when, it, it, when it happened to me, um, I gave it a lot of thought and, and tried to, uh, to raise my game quite a bit. I've, I've joked with you know, my wife at times that you know, I always say I'm a type B living in a type A world. Um, and you need to be a little bit more of a type A if you're going to be a leader. So I've tried to uh, become more vocal, uh, more active, um, you know, just try to lead by example. And, and I think the pandemic, um, again, if there's some silver lining in that black cloud of the pandemic, is that it allowed me to really think of myself more as a leader, because I don't know that I did as much before. It was just part of the job. But because we're in a crisis mode, I said to myself, well, I got to I gotta outperform uh, what I've done in the past here, because people are looking to CBIA and ultimately looking to me uh, to lead through a crisis. And I think again, because of the quality of our staff, uh, we were able to do that. So, you know, it's kind of hard to judge yourself um, in these terms. Like I said, it's really up to what you and your colleagues in the office think about uh, the job I've done. But uh, I, I do feel, as I said earlier, I could leave with my head held high that at least during this pandemic, uh, CBIA outperformed and, uh, and uh, showed the value that we have for the business community. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've always loved working with you, Joe, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> so um, can you talk about any, um, maybe regrets is the wrong word, but anything you wish you had done differently or more of in your time at CBIA? Well, there's probably a thousand things um, that I could have done better. Um, the one thing, and I don't like to look at it as regrets because, you know, you try to make the best decision with the information you have at the time. But looking back, um, I go back to, you know, I took over, as you said, in, in late 2014. And then just a couple of months after I got into the, the job, um, Governor Malloy at the time had proposed some really big tax increases on the business community to balance a big budget deficit. And, you know, we really stepped up and I think did a good job representing the business community. And then as we got deeper into the session is when GE announced that they may be looking to relocate. And then uh, Aetna and others followed suit right after that. And that was really a critical time. And I felt like, you know, in some ways, if we didn't step up, the sky could kind of fall in Connecticut here. And, and you know, we, I won't go through all the detail of what we did, but I, I felt we really, you know, took a leadership role there in fighting back. And we're able to go back in and, and you know, reverse some of the tax increases that had just got passed during a special session in the summer. And that was very unusual and difficult to accomplish, but we were able to do that. And I felt at that point, CBIA was really, you know, stepping up to another level. And then uh, if, if I have one regret, for lack of a better term, um, I, I don't feel like I sustained it as much at that time over the next couple of years. You know, we got into a period where we had the tie in the Senate and things much closer in the House between Republicans and Democrats. And, and things just got, um, you know, more had to be worked out and compromised. And maybe we lost our voice a little bit. Uh, but then over the last year or two, I hope we were able to 
to bring that uh, back up. And clearly we have during the pandemic and with the campaign we've just begun to roll out, I think we're going to continue to do that. And under uh, Christy Pentima, who's just going to be a phenomenal leader for CBIA, um, I feel we'll continue to raise the organization up to another level. So I, I guess looking back, I just wish I was a little bit more aggressive at different periods over the five and a half years that I've been in charge and uh, and just kept that loud voice out there a little bit more than I did. Yeah, I mean, talking about the future of CBIA and maybe not just CBIA, but also the business community in Connecticut and Connecticut's economy, I mean, where, where do you see the opportunities for CBIA to be louder or to have more influence or not even just us as an organization, our, our members, because that's really what our work is. It's for our members. It's for the business owners um, and employers and their employees in Connecticut. Um, so where do you see those opportunities for not only CBIA, but Connecticut as a whole? Well, clearly around rebuilding. Maybe, you know, that's overstating it or not building from scratch, but, you know, as we rebuild our economy uh, after the pandemic, I, I just think you know, there's no more critical time for CBIA to show its value than now. Um, the world has changed quite a bit, and it's going to remain changed for a long time. Some things may be changed permanently. We don't know yet. But, you know, whether it's more and more people working remotely and the impact that that's going to have uh, on employers, um, and individuals, uh, with schools and daycare being disrupted, at least over the short term, you know, how flexible can employers be to make sure their employees can both do their jobs and manage their kids' schedules, which may be totally disrupted from what, what has been done in the past? How can we advise and lead businesses through that period? And then on the policy side, I mean, guys, when you think of all the challenges that Connecticut has in front of it now, certainly fiscal policy with the impact that the pandemic has had on tax receipts and, and expenditures, um, um, health care. There's so many people going to be looking at our health care system, and we have to make sure that that's going to be reformed. It's done in a positive way uh, that allows employers to be able to afford health care for, uh, for their employees. Uh, workplace mandates. I'm sure coming out of the pandemic, there's going to be a whole host of things that uh, you know, maybe sound good, but it could be problematic for employers as they try to, uh, you know, to recover their their businesses. So on the policy side, it's, we just got to take a, a leadership role, as we always do. But I think more active and more vocal and more visible uh, through this campaign that I mentioned earlier. And then as I've been talking about in recent times, Shannon, um, and this is sounds very amorphous, and, and it is, but just some initial thoughts that we've got to really, you know, remake the relationship, I think, between the public and private sectors in Connecticut. We've just, you know, been bogged down for too long in fighting over, you know, individual bills and not seeing the big picture as much. And uh, we've got to be able to articulate a way uh, that everybody can understand, people in both parties, uh, that uh, we've got to come together and focus on our economy as something we really need to nurture and not just pass a lot of bills that, you know, may help or may hurt in small ways or significant ways, but not really uh, uh, make the state much more competitive than it has been over the last decade or so. So I know there's not a lot of more detail has to be filled in on that, but I think it's really critical that we have a mindset change here 
I've talked for years about too many legislators look at the economy as a zero-sum game, that if I win, you have to lose. And it can't be that way. It's got to be, how do we nurture the economy to the benefit of everybody? And when I mean everybody, I really mean everybody. You know, people in urban areas that maybe have been totally underserved uh, by our economy for a long time, uh, and, and people that maybe don't have the skills. Because if you had a vibrant, robust, growing economy, you know, backed up by a, an excellent education system and world-class training programs, you know, everybody in Connecticut should benefit. And with the type of companies we have here, uh, the uh, intellectual capacity that we have in this state, there's no reason why we can't be a leader. But we just need a new paradigm going forward if we're going to assume that leadership role when it comes to economic growth and job creation. And we have every ability in the world to do it. Uh, but we have to get out of uh, kind of the old, old ways, old ways, and try to do more in a bipartisan way. Um, you know, moderation used to be a good thing in politics, and now it's become, you know, if you're a moderate, you don't believe in anything, or you're too wishy-washy. Uh, but we're seeing now what the extremes, you know, what happens when people go to the extremes, both either on the right or the left. And we need a new moderate voice, and I think CBIA can, can be that voice of moderation and bipartisanship as we try to rebuild our economy. Yeah, I would 100% agree with all of that. Um, you know, everything is a shade of gray. And um, if we've seen anything uh, come from this pandemic, it's that uh, the private sector and the public sector uh, really just came together in such an incredible and quick way. Um, the response was just incredible from um, from both sides. So um, I would definitely agree with that. And it's um, it's kind of weird that you you talk about the future of our organization and where we fit in with the business community, representing them, but also um, in the state and the future of Connecticut. And you're you're stepping down at this time where things are really starting to change and accelerate. So, um, I mean, what, if I can use this word, it's kind of a big word, but what kind of legacy do you hope to leave behind with um, some of the younger employees at CBIA or new people that are going to come in um, and also just the younger people in Connecticut um, or new elected officials that will will be elected this fall? Um what what do you hope to leave behind for um, Connecticut to um, you know take into account and move move to towards the future with? Well, I'm just one person. I don't know that I'm going to you know make any kind of difference whatsoever. Um, I do hope that what we've been able to do over these last few months uh, has propelled the organization, CBIA, maybe to look at its own self a little bit differently uh, in that we have to be more vocal and more visible uh, to the whole populace in Connecticut, not just to our members or the policymakers, but to everybody in Connecticut. And as far as the timing of it, you know, I did push my stepping down uh, back a little bit because of the pandemic, but I also feel really great and energized by the fact that Christy Pentima will be assuming the role in a few weeks uh, is going to do a phenomenal job in, in leading the organization. Um, so I feel leaving it in incredibly good hands. And timing, you know, can be never right in some ways. And 
but at least we got through the hopefully the worst of the pandemic and things are a little bit quieter now. So I think this is a good time. As far as the employees, you know, I probably haven't said this enough, but I think about it all the time. I care so much about the younger people um, that we've been able to attract into CBIA because for a long time, we didn't attract a lot of younger people. And, you know, the average age of the association employees was, was pretty high up. And then over the last, I don't know how many years, five, six years or so, we've hired some, some really, really talented um, younger people. And unfortunately, as you alluded to earlier, younger people may not stay in jobs as long as uh, my generation did. Uh, and unfortunately, we've lost a couple of really talented people. But, you know, that's also been the case for CBI over the years because we hire such quality people and work hard to hire quality people that they do get scooped up. So it does happen. But I, I'm really conscious of our ability to retain younger people because they're going to be the leaders of the organization at some point. And you want people, you're not going to have a lot of people that are going to stay 30 years. And maybe you won't have anybody stay 30 years. But you need a few people to stay, you know, 5, 10, 15 years to, to take on those leadership roles, if not CEO, at least, you know, managing departments or, or being other senior leaders. So I, I hope we've been able to set a tone and create an environment uh, that's conducive for young folks. I know I've been, you know, in a lot of uh, discussions and been a little bit of a bottleneck probably and uh, bringing more flexibility into our our workplace and now the pandemic has forced that upon us and opened my eyes to uh, the value that it can provide. Um, the, the downside is I really enjoy the personal interaction that you have with people working in an office together. So I think uh, uh, under Chris's leadership, we'll be able to strike a good balance there between that flexibility so people can work from home, but also the collegiality and the better work product that I think breeds uh, when you have uh, people working closely together. So uh, I, I hope I've, not I, but we have created a, a good environment where it can retain, um, you know, really, really phenomenal young people like yourself and, and your uh, colleagues in your generation at, at CBIA over the long term. And and then uh, a final thing on, on your question, I don't ramble on here too long, but just a greater sense of optimism um, for everybody in Connecticut. And I've been through this discussion with Ari Santiago, who you know well, and, and many others uh, about CBI's role and, and our tone and things like that. I won't go through all those arguments, but um, I, I do think we have to have an optimism that's based in reality. And it can't just be a cheerleading, everything's wonderful. Uh, but on the other hand, it can't be just kind of beating ourselves up on how tough we have it. It's got to be optimism, optimism about the future. Uh, but it's also got to be based in reality that we have some real serious challenges around economic competitiveness, uh, inequality, uh, other things that need to be addressed in Connecticut. But I always, and I'll firmly believe this, though I'm no longer around, is that we have such talented people here, um, unbelievably talented, like the envy of the world, the smart people we have, the great companies we have. Um, you know, there's no reason why we can't do this, why we can't solve our problems and, and be more. Uh, you know, just a more vibrant state going forward. That people are proud to come from Connecticut, and people are flocking here. Uh, businesses and, and individuals want to work here and be here and raise a family here. So, we just got to capitalize on our assets and but continue to uh, attack our liabilities. Well, de- definitely for the record, I would say I've you know it's been such a pleasure working with you. Um, I've learned a lot from you professionally and also 
personally, particularly about sports and things like that. Um, I do miss seeing you in person. So hopefully we'll get to do that um, soon. Um, So a little less serious, but I wanted to talk to you about stepping down. Um, I know you're going to be with us for the remainder of the year. Um, and then you'll, you know, you'll be leaving us. So uh, what's next for you, Joe? Oh boy, that's a good question. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, probably I would have spent more time thinking about that if not for the pandemic. Uh, but it's just been so busy, uh, and doing such important critical things that I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking beyond December 31. Um, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how it's going to work once Chris takes over and I'm more in a support role. Uh, I don't want to be around the office. I think that's kind of awkward, but I want to be available to him, uh, helping with board recruitment and setting up board meetings and uh, maybe another special session in the fall uh, that I can help with. So I'll just, you know, figure out with Chris how I can add value at least through December. Some have talked to me about maybe staying on in some role during the next legislative session. So I think I'll be busy for a while. Uh, I do serve on some not-for-profit boards I'd like to stay involved with. Um, uh, particularly Ready CT, our, our affiliate, and what they're doing at Hartford High School. I'd like to help those kids out in some way if I, if I uh, can find a way to add value to, to their lives. Uh, and then just personally, you know, I just turned 66, but I've still got young kids. I've got a 23 and 19-year-old, almost 20. Uh, and there's still some school left for those for, for my kids. Uh, you know, that's good, and it keeps me young. Uh so I'm gonna. I'm not moving anywhere. I don't have a house anywhere else. I'm not going to Florida. I'm going to be here in Connecticut, and uh, hopefully have a little bit more time uh, with my wife and my kids to travel and do a lot of things I couldn't do. Working, uh, you know, so many days and nights uh, over the years at CBIA. So I'm excited about it. I'm not a kind of person that has to be doing something every day. I joke with people and they ask me what I want to do in retirement. I say sleep because uh, I just don't ever get enough <laughs> sleep. So I just want to kind of chill for a while and uh, but other than that you know i'll be around connecticut and uh, i've got a lot of friends here and uh, so uh, i'm excited i'm just looking forward to uh, just taking a break and final thing shannon just uh it's also the right time for cbia you know as you know i've been there 32 years my predecessors were my two immediate predecessors were there well over 30 years uh and just getting some new blood uh, although chris has been very closely aligned with the organization has not been an employee, uh, like I was an employee for 26 years before I became president, uh, you know, bringing some new blood into CBIA after having, you know, uh, kind of the same folks running it for a long, long time, I think it's going to be really, really critical um, and just good timing for it. So it's good timing for me, and it's also good timing for the association and our members. Uh, so um, I'm very, very optimistic about the future of the organization. I do think our best days and brightest days are ahead of us. Uh, despite the challenges we've had, uh, there's just great opportunity for the organization. And Chris will be that leader that will bring us to a, another level. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about the future of CBIA, too. Um, well, Joe, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but, uh, you know, thanks so much for sitting down with me. I know we we talk offline, not on a podcast pretty often, um, but thanks for sitting down with me um, and just getting these last thoughts out, um, looking back on your career at CBIA. And, you know, this isn't goodbye. This is I'll see you soon, <laughs> hopefully in the office or some other time. Um, but I just want to thank you for your leadership, your guidance, your mentorship. It, it really has been a pleasure working with you, learning from you. 
Um, and you're just, you're just a great guy to work with. So, um, so thank you. Well, I'm a little surprised we didn't get into sports a little bit more, Shannon. Because <laughs> I mean, usually, when you, <laughs> when you and I talk in the office, we probably have spent more time talking <laughs> about the Yankees and the Celtics uh, and the Giants. Yeah. And we've talked about other things. So I thought we could get into that a little bit more. But, um, <laughs> no, thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, you've been an awesome colleague at CBIA, uh, as have all uh, my friends and colleagues at CBIA. Just been uh, great and um and very supportive of me personally as well as professionally. So it's not an easy job, as you know, uh, but I always knew that everybody at CBI had my back, uh, no matter how tough times got. So I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I appreciate your comments and, uh, I'll be in the office soon. I was in last week for a couple hours and I'll be in, uh, the next couple of weeks, partly to clear up my office, but I hope to bump into you in the office at some point soon. Oh, yeah, totally. And we can catch up on sports then, for sure. Sounds good. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there. <laughs>